our sixth episode of We Got Us. Um, today is a special episode because we have guests for the first time. Yay! Um, yes. Yes. So our first guest is Mr. Xander and Mr. Miles. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves a bit more formally in just a second. But we are going to be talking about Black men's health slash mental health. Um, because last time, as you know, we talked about Black women's mental health. Um, and that was a really intriguing conversation, I think. We're still pending on that part, too. But it is a beautiful thing when we can find other Black men who are willing and open to talk about this topic. Um, because as you know, it is something that is quote-unquote taboo um, to talk about right now, but becoming more normalized. So that's great. So, we will have Miss Tichelle and Miss Jasmine reading some of the questions, if they don't mind. Um, but first, let's have our guests introduce themselves. Um, one, two, three, nose goes. <laughs> Mr. Xander, you're it. <laughs> well, um, hello, my name is um, Alexander um, Harden, and I'm from California. Um, I was born in Oakland and I spent, I grew up in Stockton. Um, I just recently moved out to Dallas pre-COVID of last year. So I'm still exploring it. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of black people out here. Um, I like it. I like it. It's different because it's a different, it's one of those old school type, you know, when you go like a welcome home Roscoe Jenkins, kind of like the Southern movie and everyone kind of knows each other it's not like that i just needed a comparison to show that there's a lot of black people um and i'm and i'm all for it and everyone says that i sound different because i don't sound like you know the y'alls and the haze and things out here um but it's great yeah, it's great um i'm 30 i uh, just turned 30 aries march 28th so i'm very excited about the season three of my life um I wanted to come on today because I'm, I really feel, as you had said, that this is a crazy world, especially right now with a lot of the uh, mental anguish that all of us are experiencing with COVID. Um, and I just kind of wanted to share my opinion from people that may either have the same opinion or they may be open to understanding what we, we being uh, black men of all you know shapes and sizes, um, have to say about topics and such thank you i love it and it's okay if you don't say y'all as southerners we're still we're still very hospitable <laughs> we okay. still it's okay <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll break you down you gotta wait about a year or so it'll it'll sneak in there i'm okay. from i say y'all and i'm from utah what is that even <laughs> i mean at this point everybody's saying y'all so it's just okay Mr. Miles, introduce well, yourself. Oh, y'all. Um, my name is Miles Ellis. I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. Born and raised. I've been here my whole life. Definitely trying to go somewhere else. Um, um, I don't know why does Black Health mean to you? Or like, 
I wanted to come on today because um, kind of the same reason, like I wanted uh, to give my opinion, like as a black man and some perspective on like, you know, how it is for us all over. Like he's in, he's in Texas, so I'm sure um, it's different, um, but definitely, you know, similar situations um, here in Utah, you know? Right. Man, same type of struggles. Thank you. Um, and to that, I know that we're going to get ready to jump into some of the questions, but the whole point of trying to find guests in other regions um, and that are from different areas is so that we have a comparison, right? So that we can see that it isn't just something that is localized or centralized. It's something that um, is shared across the nation. And I would argue probably globally in other um, areas as well. Um, but these young men are also within the same age group as well, because Miles is 27, 27, and we have Xander or Alexander, who just said he just turned 30. Um, and then, you know, potentially we have another guest who's also in a, well, he's in a different generation. Um, so I think it's important to also show those uh, juxtapositions. Um, so... Without further ado, Mr. Chef, can you start us up on the first question? Yes, yes, absolutely. So on this topic of Black men's health, I'm going to start with a very broad question, and then we'll go from there. Um, when you hear the term Black men's health, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is just like taking care of yourself. Um, but for me also, I think of like mental health for black men, like that's the biggest thing I think of because it's something that kind of gets, um, overlooked in our culture mm -hmm. with some of the situations and, uh, things that we go through. And I mm -hmm. think that's probably one of the biggest things that we definitely like, um, don't think about as much and as I'm an adult like that's the biggest thing like as a black man like your mental health in America you know yeah. thank you when I think of um, if someone were to ask me how do you feel or what comes to mind when you think of um, mental health or a man's black man's mental health um, I see a um, kind of a very similar to what you would see if you were a woman and you were applying makeup to yourself. You have this trained ideology since birth of what a man should be. Um, you know, you, you may have heard things from your parents, a black man's not safe in a dream, incarceration's up and all of this thing. So when I hear black mental health, I think of a self-image that I have to portray in order to be accepted in the community around us. Um, you know, the there's all of these stereotypes, and everyone has them. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're accurate, but it's something that a lot of us would shy away from because it means that we have to be vulnerable because it's a vulnerable topic. Um, right. And that goes against the image of 
a black man's mental health. We're supposed to be a rock. We're supposed to be solid. We're not supposed to feel, you know, the emotions of everything around us. We're supposed to be able to just, your arm fell off, walk it off. You know, you're, you're, you're not feeling happy today, too bad. Put a smile on your face. That's something that we're trained and we cover up all of our insecurities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I think to kind of build on what you guys were saying, um, we were curious to know, um, like growing up, what the conversation in your household was around like health and going to the doctor. Was it something that you did annually or was that a conversation that was had often or was it not had often? Um, in your households when you were growing up? Um, I can say for me, like, um, that was definitely a, a, a big conversation mm-hmm. because my parents didn't have a ton of money. So it would be um, a lot of times we wouldn't go to the doctor or um, just not having the funds or the situation to be able to go all the time. But it would definitely be a conversation. Like growing up, I had asthma. So it was definitely something that like, my mom knew that I needed medicine, but there would be times where she couldn't always pay for it. So it was definitely something where it was like, she knew she knew my health was a big deal, but she was put in a hard situation, it seemed like. So that was kind of how, how that would be for me growing up. Um, so probably not probably not the best situation of like best conversations that we should have had over like healthcare because it's like your parents feel like they can't they almost can't help you in that situation you know but not super uncommon though you know no, I, I would not. think not because I think that's when a lot of I don't know about for your mom but my mom and grandmother were like heavy in home remedies yeah that's <laughs> It was like, okay, well, you know, we can't get you what we know where, but we're about to ask somebody or we're going to try and make an off-brand something. And I think a big, a big part of it is like, you know, how our, how our parents and like how our grandparents grew up. A lot of the access for stuff wasn't like, um, it was completely different, like, especially with the way their life was. I know my grandpa, I mean, he was definitely never the way he grew up he wasn't going to the doctor and definitely um my grandma was a little bit more knowledge about it knowledgeable about it probably in like her 50s they decided to stop smoking and doing stuff like that but like my mom for the most part pretty much the same like parents kind of feed they kind of raise you the way that their parents taught them you know i agree well, and to, just to build on this really quick before Xander answers the question. So now that you're an adult and you can take care of yourself, is do you put more of an emphasis on going to the doctor? Um, for me, it's kind of, I don't always trust the doctor. I feel like, uh, as a, as a black per, as a as black people it's really hard to trust like every doctor we see because they're automatically going to tell us something like 
you know, black people have high blood pressure and all these other underlining issues. And it's just like, I feel like they don't necessarily understand us sometimes when we go to the doctor or understand our bodies. So it's sometimes for me, it's like, it's hard for me not to think they're just trying to get money from me sometimes, you know, like my whole life, if I needed an inhaler, I'd have to go see the doctor and the doctor would know, like, I can't breathe, but I'd have to see them, give them a copay so he could see me and then they would give me my medicine. So it's like, it's all kind of, I've got to see the medical field in a different way, needing medicine. And so that's why I'm kind of like, sometimes I feel like they're taking advantage of me or taking advantage of the situation, but that's how I look at it. But I definitely know like as an adult, I got to take care of myself and I'm going to have to go to the doctor for certain things. Um, I just try to do the best things I can do for myself to make it so I don't have to go to the hospital or the doctor. Preventative care, I feel it. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, your feelings are super valid and they are shared across. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mr. Xander, thoughts? Um, So I was very fortunate. Uh, I'm not even gonna cap. I was very fortunate, middle-class family. So if I needed to go to the doctor, um, I went. Uh, If I needed, you know, to go for anything, you know, we pay the copay and go to Kaiser. Um, and there were the experience with the doctor. I'm not a huge fan of shots or needles, you know, I'm six, five, but like you hold out a needle could <laughs> definitely hold me hostage, uh, with one. Um, however, nowadays I actually have a book and if you guys ha- can see it, which you probably can't because of my view, it's, a uh, it's basically a thick book, and it's called The Doctor's Book of Home Remedies. Um, and I always keep it nearby. That's what I was looking for. I was like, I have a book on this. Um, I don't read very often. However, when I do read, it's for something that I can't just Google. You know, it's something that maybe I need um, kind of a specific touch. Um, I don't I don't have a huge amount of ailments, but I do as know that as I'm getting older, that's something that um needs to be addressed and i'm just kind of don't want to know what's behind the curtain i kind of want to believe that everything is fine and i know that growing up you know i'd go to the doctor for whatever you know i'm i'm not a strong believer in vaccinations um only because you don't know what someone someone's putting if you someone's putting something foreign into you you know, and I know it's a, it's a huge controversy and a lot of people are like, well, you want to be safe and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, well, I do, but if you wouldn't share needles with a heroin addict, why would you allow someone that you don't personally know to inject you with a virus on the chance to make you better in air quotes? Um, it's a, it's about a trust thing, you know, and we know that there have been certain substances that have been introduced, especially in the um, African-American community that were government, the government put it there, you know, so it's like there's certain things that and I know that having medical friends and nurses and RNs and, and, and LVNs and, you know, I know that they're not bad people, but 
if it's not something that I can't do myself, like if my arm breaks, I can't set it myself, or it's something that requires a professional, I'll Google. I will Google something before I call in, as you had said, make that copay. It's like, why do I need to pay you, you know, just for you to see me, just for you to upcharge and say, hey, you know, you spent that $20 copay uh, for me to tell you drink some water, <laughs> you know, or you spent that $20 copay for me to be like, you're not getting enough for us. It's like, I'm not coming for you for easy, simple fixes. I'm coming right. to you, you know, as um as a mortal and in my and and what should be said is you're a healer so heal me and i feel that a lot of the medical physicians unfortunately are they don't see you as a patient they see you as how you guys would see a spreadsheet how you guys would see a document that you got to complete or an email it's something that has to be done in order for you to collect a check which is why um the medical field i feel like benefits off of the misfortune of um, urban communities, urban developments, um, people coming in. Um, if you go to the doctor right now and you don't have insurance, you're sitting in the lobby for hours unless you are having a serious emergency. If you go um, to the, the county, you know, and unless you're dying, and even if you're dying, they're going to ask you, how are you dying? Because we got other people dying. How are you specifically dying? And I feel like my struggle should not be compared to someone else. I might hurt different than that person. My level of pain might be different than them. Um, and I feel like it's not fair. And I've only experienced that twice where I went to the doctor and they were either at capacity or they're like, you got to go to another hospital. It's like, dude, what if, what if I wasn't going to make it? What if I was bleeding out? You know, and they're like, we're sorry, you know, we can't and and they basically said in the nicest way we can't help you you know and then the really messed up thing is i stood there and i was with my parents i walked away and then i saw another family that was white they came up and little tommy wasn't feeling well and they got help right away and i was just like and then I didn't, at the time, I was, I didn't understand it. I'm like, oh, well, maybe they had, you know, a room open up or maybe they had, you know, something. And then I was like, it wasn't until I got older that I understood that the world that you know is, there's, there's a little bit of a paintbrush that covers what's actually going on. And you can see that in the news, you can see that um, in the, our law enforcement in our um, in our legal system, so kind of like going back towards the specific topic. I try if I can't fix it myself, then <laughs> I try to stay away from hospitals. That's fair. That's fair, and I think that you know, again, as Tashel said with Miles, I think that that is something that is shared um, across you know, multiple people, multiple areas, multiple generations. Um, and just, you know, historically, when we look at our um, relationship with the medical industrial complex, it's not been a great one. Um, even specifically down to vaccines, right? With like Henrietta Lacks and how they came to be and what that looks like, what that means. Um, 
And we definitely did a couple episodes ago have that conversation around the COVID vaccine and um, are you going to get it? Do we know people who got it? Well, what does it really, you know, what does that mean? What does it look like? And what we know now is that for those who did receive certain ones, they're going to be following you for a number of years to see, you know, what sorts of health things happen to you because there is no long term um, data or data, however you choose to pronounce it. Right? There's no long term um, history or studies that that say like, oh, it, you know, for those who are saying it creates infertility, there's no studies to show that. So it's something that we'll all be finding out together, um, which is scary. I feel. Um, and you know to each their own on if you chose to get it or not but i'm good (laughs) (laughs) my god i just i just literally recognize my guinea pig status right now but it's it's all right i'm vaccinated um right (laughs) that's how i felt like sander was saying about like getting vaccines and stuff and i was thinking like Oh man, I maybe I made the wrong decision. Listen, when he was saying that, I was like, "Yup, that's why I waited." <laughs> that's why I waited. And listen, because I was really gonna get Johnson and Johnson because I don't mess with needles either. And I was like, "Okay, one dose and we're done." And then, like, literally the week I was looking in what places have it, that's when their study came in. And I was like, "I see you, Lord. I see you. You know." So it's a real thing. What are you doing? It's true. When, when I heard they had one, I was like. First of all, Google them and just Google them in the world lawsuit and it, it will take your money. They they are not a great company. I I fully understand and acknowledge that. My thing was it's a convenience thing, right? Because one time. Even, even when you look at, right, one time, when you look at the history of, of having people come back for second shot. It's not super high. That's part of the issue right now is that a lot of people aren't going to get that second shot. Or even when you look at, you know, as as babies, when we talk about those vaccinations, like you get one full cocktail at one moment if you choose to do that. And then you got to show back up at six months and then you got to show back up at a year or something. I really don't know how it works. I don't have kids. But on my vaccination card, that's what it looks like. So, <laughs> no, it's true. You know, well, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, no, I think this is a really good topic because, you know, when we think about Black health in general, like, generally speaking, trust is an issue. And then when we boil it down specific to Black men, Black women, Black trans women, mm-hmm. men, you know, trust is always going to be an underlying issue. And it's proven. There's not really anything that's proven it shouldn't be an issue yet, right? So hopefully those of us working in this area can bring transparency and help these things. Um but to transition, thinking about what you all were saying um, and thinking about Black men's health, we know these disparities exist. Maya talked about, like, you go to the doctor and they're just like, you just have high blood pressure. That's just like what you guys have. <laughs> or right. you guys just have asthma and diabetes because, you know, <laughs> that's what it equals, right? So we have all these disparities that are preventable, that exist. Why do you think those gaps exist? Why do you think that, you know, um, and suffer from disparities like these. I think, honestly, I think it goes back to even slavery. Um, I think we have literally, we have literally like um, a lot, a lot of the stuff that like we were always like eating 
was stuff that we were like given because we had to eat and a, mm-hmm. and a big part of it is the knowledge like a lot of the knowledge that um african americans are starting to like give themselves about like food and health um it's starting to happen like right kind of in the last like five years starting to figure out like you know um what we're putting in our bodies and like stuff like that whereas that that has probably been a huge part of the gap i mean like i know how i grew up i know all the food that i grew up loving to eat and it's probably not all the best food you know but it's a part of our culture and it goes all the way back you know to us not having nothing and spreading that and so that's how i look that's how i look at it i think that is definitely um probably a part which has created disparity but a lot of it is just like um I feel like black people in America have always just been casted out. Like we were we were never we were never ever supposed to be even here in this in this land. And I think that's a big part of the disparities like our stress levels are higher. We got to worry more. It's just it's just the way it is and it's it's generational. Like you're born you're born almost with uh more stress. I mean by the age of four for some black kids, depending on where they're at, the reality is you might've already went through racism. You might've already had some crazy event happen to you. And I feel like that's where, where that gap happens. It's just like, I'm not saying it's, we can't break out of it, but a lot of those disparities are definitely like systematically embedded into our culture. Absolutely. So to capitalize on that, because I didn't expect to go that deep into um, a gap, it takes three, to my understanding, it takes three generations um, for a lie to to cover the truth. Three generations. So if you tell in your, so if you're the third generation, if you tell your mother's mom a lie and she passes it down to you and then you and then oh i'm sorry your mother's mother passes it down to her and then she passes it down to you and then you pass it down to the next person um we don't know what the truth is we don't know why there's a gap we don't know i blame the colonel it's kfc is pretty delicious <laughs> but that's just you know that's just my own personal tip um but you're right black people as a whole um whether you come like african um or whether you're african-american if the melatonin in your skin basically dictates your place in this world, essentially. Um, and I feel like very similar to any movie that you see where, you know, the protagonist, it has stack of, you know, everything is stacked against them. You know, you come out, your credit score is going to be low because your mama, you know, was cracked out for whatever reason in that time period, you know, or people were, you know, doing drugs and didn't know about what was going on in in the 90s you know in the 80s and 70s where certain things were very lenient um getting rid of the holding down the black man from and black woman the black culture as a whole is basically attaching chains to them just because you can't see chains doesn't mean that they're not there you just need to be quote-unquote woke to be able to see it um, and you walk around it. You walk around it all the time, and you may not, 
you may not know why someone may have gotten given you that look or you may not know why someone might have you know that customer service representative found out oh you know it's weird that on the job application you have to say you know what race or ethnicity why does that matter you know why what where that that was always a weird question that i will always see on the job application it's like is that for tax reasons is that for you to why do you need to know separate not of latino um and then it goes black white i'm like what like what 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 specific information is needed that you would need to know the race or the skin color that i am so i started lying on applications start saying that i was white you know so then when people would see me they would be super confused catfishing professionalism catfish you know and they're just like and no one has ever brought it up like on your application you said you were white i dare you i dare you to bring it up because you don't know you know um and i bet you had i have said black or african-american because it's always a slash it's black slash african-american how come it's not white slash caucasian it's just caucasian descent you know it's like we gotta we have to be separated or we have to be dumbed down you know and just we're survivors you know and just kind of capitalize on what you said we survive from from honestly if i didn't have this call i was gonna go get oxtails you know at this black owned restaurant that i like to on sundays you know so it's just like we were given nothing and as opposed a population control and we took that nothing and certain ones of us you know certain greats and certain people that remain nameless and lost in the uh, history of time survived and we just pushed up the next person little by little and as we're all descending we're just slowly pushing up the next generation the ones of us that are woke, such as you lovely people here, um, are able to teach and spread awareness and be aware that, yo, I, this is not fair. This is not great. I experience racism in a very odd way, whether you don't get approved for that loan that you're looking for or whether you don't get helped at a doctor's office. They don't tell you. It's very subtle. It's very painted on and, oh, no, we can't. I can't help you. I'm sorry. I wish I would. You know, I wish I could, you know, it, I, I, I'm apologetic to it, but that's all a front. Right. You know, they're, they're killing us. They're killing us, whether it's with a gun or whether it's with sodium. You right. pick one and we're buying into it. Like the Popeye's chicken sandwich, when it first came out, people were fighting over it, fighting like over chicken, you know, and it's like, just talking about the Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> Those commercials. We were talking about the Popeye's commercials the other day. And yeah. it's a black lady. It's a black yeah. lady. She's like skinny and thin, and she's just. I've never. Come on, baby, come and get some chicken. And <laughs> and just like the person that I'm conditioned to be, I'm just like, yes, ma'am. Where's it at? You know. Um, but we gotta we gotta break out of that. Yeah. We gotta break out of that. We gotta we gotta break out, and it's okay. And it, and I don't want it to seem like I'm labeling, you know, or or I'm, you know, there's some stuff that that we need to take responsibility for, and I think that we can hold ourselves accountable. However, there's a lot of stuff. Kool Aid, come on, the sugar at the bottom. When you make good Kool Aid, there's like this thick layer of sugar 
that you just is at the bottom and you just stir it up drinking once it settles like dude we they knew what, the, what they were doing they knew what they were doing when they were giving us you know pig's feet and they were giving us chitlins and they were giving us just the scraps and they're just yeah. surprised that we survived they're like oh we were trying to poison you guys and they're here what do we do with them now well let's give them let's give them some crack let's which is a watered down of coke really yeah. weird that we get the scraps of everything can we just <laughs> get the main sources give us something and then that's the problem you give us something we, we take it and we're gonna run with it not the water down of coke but yeah. that's funny. so i completely agree with that um and then i'm gonna let y'all i'm gonna let y'all continue the conversations i know there's also <clears throat> other questions we have um we may have to go off and then start again for the part two um in terms of being mindful of the length but there are so i took like little note things that y'all were saying and there are you know several things that i wanted to touch on because when we're talking about a disparity i think it's also important to note that a disparity is a comparison right so when we're talking about we have a health disparity of high blood pressure that's in comparison to the white populace it's not like you know what i mean so that that's your base group that you're competing against essentially or when we say we have a disparity of diabetes it's like okay well in comparison to the white population black people are higher in diabetes and so when you right. look at that or when you look at health in the context of who you're really being compared to then it's like well i mean not that it's not an issue right because we know now that these things are but it's like well i mean the way that my body processes something versus where your body might be night and day, you know, whereas, for example, my grandmother has diabetes, not because she's overweight, not because of, you know, what she ate, although it wasn't the best in Mississippi, but because she, we have white in our family, as do a lot of African-Americans. Everybody. And it's, it's a genetic, like her genes, her, her white genes are so close in her that it's like this rare disease that white people have that eats away at their pancreas that messes with the insulin that essentially causes diabetes yeah. and she hates it so when i was talking to a nurse lady she's like well yeah you know y'all are just more prone for diabetes i was like no sis y'all are more prone to diabetes i'm good like you know what i mean yeah, so no. when we start, when we start, when we start breaking down those things it's really interesting to see where those things even come from you know how you know how they even came to be um and then even talking about you know being woke and meat and our food there's been a push for veganism um i don't know how many of y'all fell on that wave i didn't you just talked about oxtail so i know you didn't but <laughs> but um, way to call him out I know miles is a miles is a chef so i know he didn't but you know you remember when like Dr. Sebi came out and he yeah. was like, eat more plant-based, eat this, eat that. And like, people were like, oh man, this man is wild and he's crazy. But now those are things that we're really starting to look at. Like, oh, this man, he was on to something. Maybe we should start adopting it. So I think that sometimes, you know, as Xander pointed out that when we have to take responsibility, I think that sometimes we miss the initial wave of, of us trying to help each other. And then it takes... I think it's been about three generations. So, you know, it's taken a long time for us to get back on and say, okay, well, 
you know, these are the things that we should start looking at. We should start, you know, drinking almond milk if that's your tea or, you know, whatever, whatever the stuff is. Um, but, but I appreciate y'all for the conversation. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I think you make a really good point, right? You know, when we're compared to white folks, it's not always like a fair comparison. But I right. think we have to think more about the access issues. And I think, you know, both Miles and Xander talked about it and you have hinted towards it too. Like the, mm-hmm. issue, or the more the issue is access to information. Like I've heard <laughs> the term thrown around, it's an infodemic, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to black folks, we don't always get the information and why. Mm-hmm. If you think about the disparity in access, yeah, we go to the doctor and they're like, sorry, we don't, I, I remember my dad being told without even saying why he was there, oh, we don't have, we don't prescribe narcotics. My dad has never taken a narcotic. <laughs> the fact that he's here, you're welcome, right? He has insurance. I had to drag him here because he's really, really sick. It's not what we're here for. Just these assumptions that are made and a- access as being an issue and per- you're being perceived as someone who may or may not have insurance, right? Just by how you look. And I think that, that's that's part of the problem too, right? We're, we're given select information that we're supposed to just run with and deal with. And when it comes to the healthy eating, you know, I'll try vegan food, it's I, right? But it's expensive. You cannot tell someone who is a mother of four on like on minimum, like on minimum wage, very able to pay rent. You need to feed your kids salads and vegetables and fruits. I like, I am lucky to have the jobs I have. And I still think apples are hella expensive. And I'm like, <laughs> I can afford it, but I'm like, oh, apples versus oh. Just looking eclairs like what do i want to like live my best life so it is a choice in a sense but for some it's not so we have to right. think about that like some people it's definitely not a choice and others it is so shame on me but there are people who can't afford to live like that right i mean i think food deserts are a real thing and i think that you do bring up you know the valid point about um about uh access um one thing I know that I've seen largely is that there is this push to sort of get back to our agricultural roots, right? And start gardening your own food, start harvesting your own food so that you know where it's coming from, so that you don't have like the genetically modified organisms. Um, vertical gardens are a thing. And it's not something that is going to happen overnight. It's not something that even a lot of people may be able to take the time to do, right? Because um, that is. Like, I don't know how, how many zucchinis you're gonna make off of this one vertical plant. Like you might get like 10 of them. That might not be enough, right? So it is all, uh, I think we were set up to fail as we've all pointed out, you know, multiple times. We were set up to fail um, and we're resilient. And so um, joke's on them, I guess. But we may have time for one more question to answer before we got to go to Harvard. So, I guess I'm trying to decide because we had some really great questions and just based <clears throat> off of the conversation, I think the best one to end with is thinking about all of the things that have been said and leaving off this part one um, segment. Do what would be the one piece of advice you would give to the next generation of black men about their health? Seven things poor people do with that. 
things that I would pass on to the next generation. Um, believe less of what you hear and even less of what you see. Always understand that you don't need to be paranoid, but you need to be aware. Fear is a catalyst that allow that allows you to survive, and that's something that us as a black culture we're very good at surviving. We're very good mm-hmm. at overcoming the odds um, and becoming show ponies for these white people. Um, case in point, LeBron James. Case in point, Kobe Bryant. Uh, case in point, Chris Brown, Prince, okay. all of these people that, that I mean, and, and Dave Chappelle said it the best when it's like, you got to get to entertaining these white people because that's how you make it. That's how you get passes. That's how you can beat your, ooh, ooh, okay, I see you. All right. Um, <laughs> that's how you can beat your wife, but because you can shoot a three-pointer, because you can be a moneymaker for these white people, you get a pass. You know, a lot of these celebrities that Kanye West, a lot of these celebrities that we give, we almost worship them as gods because the media is like, hey, we got to keep the black people down. So let's get some of their, you know, some of their delegates, you know, the Tiger Woods and find things on and prey on their mental health and prey on their downfall but then at the same time because they make they're making us money we'll give them a pass we'll, we'll, we'll give them a little you know a little like hey here's here's an apple you know good job you know and and that can be in so many different forms but that's why everyone is so quick to uh anytime a celebrity gets a a a, a sneaker deal you know and or like some sort of like oh adidas you know or it's like oh um anytime that we're given something it's like see it's it's white guilt see we gave you something we we uh we we did this for the black community and you see that thrown out there so often i just want the next generation to understand like look you're not safe and you need to understand that you're not safe i don't care if you believe that you will be always on the bottom of the totem pole, which means that you have the most weight, you have the most stress that's put upon you. And that's not just black. Black, I feel, also needs to be not just African-American. Black is a culture. It's a movement. It's a way of life. And a lot of people don't understand that. They hear black. Oh, well, you're not really black. I'm brown. It's like, yeah, but I'm part of this culture that is bigger than just me. It's bigger than just any of us sitting here. And once all of us die, it'll still continue. Um, And I just want the next generation to understand that. Don't listen to the negative stigma. If you believe that you want to do something, you have to work five times as hard as the person next to you. Understand that going in so that you don't sit up resenting people understand that it this is the way things are and you have to play by their rules until you can be financially free um and can kind of start making your own rules and can kind of start using the techniques of what white people do you know investing 
uh, you know, and property and understanding more on how to separate yourself or, or how to at least close that gap. Black people are fast as hell. They are. You've seen it. You know, so we can definitely catch up, but it's all about jumping over those hurdles consistently, getting past those mental blocks consistently, getting past what's being told to us, what we can't do. Oh, it's just diabetes. Oh, it's just, you know, hypertension. Oh, it's just this. It's like, okay, I understand that. Let me teach the next generation that that's what they're going to say. So go in with something different. Be like, I don't have diabetes. I drink water regularly. I have a plant-based diet. Now what? Now what? White people are going to be, well, what do we tell them? Like, you pay that $20 copay, you know more about your your health than I should. Right. So, be aware. Um, be aware. Say what? Miles, T- your touching thoughts. On that, touching on that, like, the biggest thing I would, I would say to, you know, other people is, you know, have understanding for yourself. Like, don't feel like you have to be um, like everybody else, you know, and and to have the understanding that the world isn't fair. And just like, you know, Xander said, like, you're going to be dealing with these issues, you know, your whole life. And so the best way is to know that, because I feel like a part of why it's so hard for us is, you know, um, I can say, like, for me, I went to white schools growing up um, and like you feel like something's wrong with you a lot of the time mm-hmm. and it's really like you got to have that um that understanding that it's not nothing's wrong with me like i'm figuring out life and just because i don't look at like them or i'm figuring out life like them i'm still gonna figure it out and i think that's that's like the biggest thing is i think that's kind of a mental thing that we we go through when we're kids you know what i mean um you have you have a little white friend realistically when when the parent says well you can't they can't play today it really might be like their parents don't really want to play want you to go over and play with their child Mm -hmm. and so you take that as as a kid and you might not understand that but like my parents wouldn't sugarcoat stuff with me they'd be like that kid's parents are racist you're gonna stay here you ain't gonna hang out with them like that's how it's gonna be and I think those are the, the things that we go through as children where we think something's wrong with us. And we got to get to a point where we know that nothing's wrong with us. Mm-hmm. This is how the system is and how they want us to feel. And right. and that's a way of trying to do it to us when we're children. Yeah. Right. You know? And so that's something that, that I've, I've figured out. Well, it's good that you guys are here. We need that. Uh, we need that affirmation, especially for the young black men. Think about it like, my son just had a birthday party and two of his friends who's known for 10 years, I knew their mom for 10 years, they were told they can't come to his birthday party because their mom supports Black Lives Matter. They, this person was my friend for 10 years and they told my son this. And so it's like, without that, you know, that affirmation, sometimes it's a lost cause. So. Right. I mean, um, one thing that like, I, I was talking about with my mom the other day is she was telling me how, she told my sister when my sister was like, um, 13 years old, like all these girls that you're hanging around with, when you're when you're like a senior in high school, none of these girls will be your friend. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's sad, but it's also like the reality. Like as you grow up, you'll start to you'll start to understand yourself, and you'll start to understand that a lot of the people around you 
never really cared about your people or you and it takes you kind of like growing up to figure that out i mean by the time you're an adult you're like why was i even hanging around these people you know i mean so to that point we're gonna take a brief a brief intermission (laughs) and we're gonna start back up again um i want to thank you black men for taking the time out of your day to join us um in this conversation we will continue the the conversation um but yes thank you and stay tuned for part two part two bye